Hi, I'm Rob. I'm Joe. And I'm Sam. Welcome to Athenaeum, a podcast about writing, literature, and the culture that feeds them. And this week, we're talking about middle grade literature. And we're going to kind of start off with what is middle grade and what makes it different from children's literature or the where the breaking point is where middle grade starts and then where middle grade ends and young adult begins. And I believe the most common definition is middle grade is aimed for readers between 8 and 12 and then young adult is really 12 to 18. So that preteen and teenager age. Um, I think the one other thing that we can maybe add to that too is I think generally middle grade versus like little kids Uh, middle grade is more the chapter books that the kids can read on their own I think is kind of where middle grade starts when you're looking at when your child starts to read middle grade I think it's those chapter books is kind of when that begins yeah kind of when you stop looking for pictures and Mm -hmm. The, like the Treehouse series. I feel like the Treehouse series is one of those classic, like, first introductions into middle grade for American readers, at least, who are in the public school system. I feel like I need, I need to add those two things to Treehouse series, which I love. I can actually, I can remember my first chapter book, and... Do you know what it was? <laughs> it was the Bernstein Bears. <laughs> oh yeah, because they had the they had the, they had the mm-hmm. yeah they had the kids books with you know super wide got illustrated pages and then they got the bigger ones that are basically the kids are growing up and you know ready to tell some more engaging stories. I remember feeling so accomplished when I <laughs> I grabbed that book off the shelf in my library. I was like, I'll take this one. <laughs> I think my first middle grade book or like chapter book was probably a Junie B. Jones book. I read so much Junie B. Jones. I, like I think I read Junie B. Jones. I the one that I remember is um, well, there's two: the Treehouse series and then the Little series, which I think isn't something that many people our age have read, but it was one that my I think it was my mom had read. And she bought the whole series on like some deep discount at Barnes. Actually, it wasn't Barnes and Nobles then. It was um oh, Borders. Borders. <laughs> uh yeah, Borders and like the Littles was honestly it's one that I still recommend to people who have kids. You know, at that like seven eight year range of like Littles, like they're still they're not super strong readers. Give them the littles. It's a short little book, but it has chapters, you know, and it's it's not one that I think was written for vocabulary learning, just as entertainment. And it is entertaining. Oh. Also good to know about middle grade is that the content is going to be things that are relatable to kids at that age. The main characters are usually in that like 8 to 12 year old, maybe a little bit younger, maybe a little bit older. And there's not going to be profanity or graphic violence or like sexuality. Like the topics are usually about family and friendships and external conflicts, maybe bullies, Mm -hmm. um, things like that, where it's 
a lot easier if you know this book is a middle grade to just give it to your kid and not have to do as much like in-depth review. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still going to be conflict. It's not saying that this is completely invalidating. It's not taking an adult book and taking all the cool stuff out of it and saying, here, child, here's a bunch of smaller words. But it's intended as a target audience of I'm able to connect with these characters a little bit better because they're my age. I, whereas YA, a lot of times YA, I view YA as, um, the intro to the adults, uh, 100%. like, because it's still, it, it starts to deal with those topics, but there's still kind of a line. I think YA is the adults reading, but with teenagers as the main characters. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, and actually, I think there's also interesting way dis- to categorize it. <laughs> those distinct moments where you're a teenager, like the Hunger Games series came out when I was a teenager, and it's very distinct from like the first couple Harry Potters because mm-hmm. it's a lot more deathy, mm-hmm. and the violence is much more real as opposed to I think it's more distant. If you're talking about like Harry Potter one and two. Mm-hmm. I think, too, YA is a little bit more broad in in what it means, whereas middle grade, when you're talking about modern written middle grade, it very much fits into that, you know, section of it's written for this age group. It generally has, has characters in this age group, yada, yada. Whereas if you look at some of the books that we have read, that I'm sure many people have read, that are considered middle grade books. They're not necessarily considered middle grade books because that's who they were written for. I think a lot of the older books get put in middle grade because of their vocabulary content. Um, Such as uh, The Hobbit, which has no children (laughs) in it. (laughs) Um, And uh, The Outsiders, which is also considered in in some by some publishers as a middle grade um but the characters in there are all teenagers dealing with very very serious topics i think um so i think there there is a little bit too of a disconnect of when middle grade became a real thing which i think was around when we were all children in the 90s i think is maybe late 80s is when middle grade really became its own section Versus just, oh, this has, you know, smaller vocabulary and has no romance. Here you go. (laughs) I think I would disagree in there. Like when we talked with Laura last week, she intentionally wrote a middle grade novel. And so there are authors and a lot of folks out there who target specifically, and it's not necessarily like, oops, I tried to write YA, or oops, I tried to write an adult book, but I didn't use enough big words. Mm-hmm. It's very, it can be very intentional because you want to make sure yes. that you're connecting with the audience on an emotional level. Yes, I think that's very that true age. for modern. I'm just talking about his, more on the historical side, you know, 100 years ago when middle grade wasn't so much of a thing you still have like the littles are from then um, i think a lot of the berenstein bears are actually from that time period uh but i think 
some books that get put now on middle grade were not originally written for people they weren't written for a specific age group and it was more they weren't written for adults they were just it was just a story so it got put in there because I, to me the See hobbit that? is a good like it's a story but it's not i don't think it was written for an 8 to 12 year old to read i think it was written as a story that the author wanted to write not yeah. aimed at anything really I think a lot of what I kind of perceive to be in line with the middle grade sort of trope is when you, at least for me, just in the books that I read, you kind of have the a situation that is presented in a almost a whimsical or a sort of kind of a lighthearted or marvelous way. Uh, I I think I see that way, way, way more predominantly than I would see it in those other sort of any genre, really, to where you're just stepping out into the world and everything is cool and everything is awesome. And yeah, there's some threat out there that, you know, you might have to confront, but it's it's never like really in doubt until like, the climax of the book, or I guess maybe more accurately, the rising action, whether or not the heroes will be able to prevail, you know, because you don't want that sort of, you know, uh, pessimism at the start of a middle age, excuse me, a mid grade book. You kind of want everything to just seem awesome and magical and you're going out and you're doing crazy things and you're being a hero and et cetera, et cetera. Whereas with YA, you know, it's, almost guaranteed someone will tell you within the first couple chapters you can't do that or you're the this so you're supposed to do that but i don't know how you'll beat the dark one you know <laughs> is, that it's not like the same tone the <laughs> well the you're hobbit this. wasn't about defeating the dark one the hobbit was about getting that the treasure dark back. one was just outside was everyone near us um <laughs> <laughs> what if the real dark one was the friends we made along the way no <laughs> i mean i would feel that way okay we're gonna get on a side tangent for a moment about the hobbit because i finished it for the first time oh, this week i know I you did in- that's why i kept bringing it up i'm like well, I was- i've so i never read the hobbit as a kid i was very much a harry potter kid not a lord of the rings kid and never seen the movies I was part of a discussion this week and somebody brought up Frodo and I go, he's not in The Hobbit. Who is that guy? And I was made a fool. Um, So let me tell you. Let me tell you about why The Hobbit is... (laughs) Good cue. I'm still asking. Um, If you know who Frodo is, please let us know on Instagram. Thank you. Please reach out. Don't Um, say us. Don't lump me in there. (laughs) (laughs) No, guys, so... The Hobbit. So when I think of a middle grade book, I think of Wonder and Harry Potter. Like you have this protagonist and they grow in some way. Maybe they're still not great people because there's a whole series for them to grow as great people. Bilbo doesn't grow morally. Bilbo was kind of just a sad guy living his best life. He goes on an adventure. It's called There and Back Again, but there's only like 20 pages where it's the back again part. So misleading title. <laughs> 
He has a negligent father figure, which I'm now only referring to as Scandolf, because he's a scam. And oh, my goodness. he doesn't morally change at the end, right? Like, he is still just a sad guy living his best life that has some stories to tell for an adventure he went on once. Well, I he's don't know if I call Bilbo better. sad. But oh, no. there was a... There was the thing about Bilbo is that Bilbo was, if anything, the constant in that story. Mm -hmm. And it was actually the dwarves who had to change because Bilbo was only brought into the story to help them. It it wasn't his treasure they were trying to get back. Dying off page. Well, no, no, no. I mean, there was a little bit of a. Not very much. Not even that I can See, recall at this moment. But eventually they weren't so uppity about so their treasure. That's where I say that the reason the Hobbit gets put in here is because the Hobbit doesn't have a moral purpose. The Hobbit was written as a story that this guy wanted to tell that he told very well, but that didn't have like a purpose. It's just a, I want to write a story about a guy who gets dragged out to steal treasure from a dragon because I want to. Um, and, and I think by this point, because I, um, this, The Hobbit was published after The Lord of the Rings, but was written before The Lord of the Rings. Um, I think it's a thing of, ah, you're so popular and you've made us so much money. Yes, we'll publish this other thing that is certain to sell well. I like The Hobbit, It's, but it's not a... It's a boys go on a fun adventure book. It's it's an yeah. adventure book. It is that's all it is. There's nothing else to it. Which goes is, back to my like hate of adventure books. Yeah. Oh, There's no like adventure is a cheap thrill. Well, here's another thing to consider is that adventure, at least with the Hobbit, I'll just speak specifically for the Hobbit. I mean, when you think about the Lord of the Rings, if you've read it, uh, then you know it's not a happy story. Hardly at any point is the Lord of the Rings ever just lighthearted and happy. There's a couple of moments where it's like almost exclusively the hobbits are, you know, kind of juxtaposed with the rest of the world. And that's where the humor comes from, because they live such a calm and idyllic life and meanwhile the rest of the world is at like bitter war with this great evil that they can't even hope to defeat really and that's kind of what i imagine the hobbit's purpose was if not for the sake of the reader then for the sake of tolkien himself to just be like look (laughs) cool light-hearted things can just happen in this world and it doesn't always have to be about defeating Sauron or Melkor or any of their agents you know he probably just wanted to tell a story that was just fun and even in that story he still included matters about the war at the end when the doors actually get their treasure and everybody's like look you're gonna give us some of that right we need it to defeat Sauron we need it to build homes you know etc cetera, etc cetera. I think I think that in itself has I think The Hobbit is more worthwhile of a read if you have read The Lord of the Rings. Because you probably think that who the hell wants to, who wants to live in this world 
until you read The Hobbit and you're like, oh, okay, so lighthearted things can't happen. People can't have fun. Well, and I think The Hobbit has a very specific audience. And I think, too, with The Hobbit, because, Joe, you didn't, like, go in wanting to read this, right? You're reading it for a book club, right? I I think it was. So my entire set of in-laws, so all of my brother and sisters-in-laws, and they are obsessed with it. They're a big Lord of the Rings family. They were not a Harry Potter family growing up. Not that they're mutually exclusive, but that's just kind of how, like, me and my husband grew up very differently in the types of books that we read as kids. And so his whole family are very into the Lord of the Rings. So when I... I came into this book going, this is something I should read. Kind of like when you pick up like War and Peace as an adult. You're like, this is probably something I should read, right? And so there is some reluctance there, but I was more optimistic because I do really like children's and middle grade and YA books. I And I was just disappointed in it, right? Like yeah. there's so many other middle grade books that I think have a better premise that aren't going to make me roll my eyes if I have to read this to my kids one day. Yeah. Well, oh my God. That's, that, that's You actually didn't like it. I actually did not like The Hobbit. I actively don't like The Hobbit. Yeah. Oh, which wow. which is where I think the big the big thing with this is that generally The Hobbit is one that either I think yeah, you either like it or you don't like it. You're not really neutral about it. And honestly it's a book that if it's if you don't like adventure, if you don't like, if you don't like adventure, adventure, and adventure, because that is all that book is, is an adventure, and, you know, stealing treasure from dragons and trying to kill a dragon. It is not, that's the all it main is. characters didn't even kill the dragon. No, no. And what gets well, they worse weren't there for the dragon, is yeah. if you've watched the Hobbit movies and you liked them, don't read the Hobbit. Don't read The Hobbit because <laughs> The Hobbit is a third. You can, you people have done The Hobbit movie in a movie. Like, there's a lot of things that don't happen <laughs> that they had to add in because when they turned it into a modern major movie, it didn't have enough plot line or character growth to stand on its own. Like, yeah. I think an important addendum to that is to say when juxtaposed to the Lord of the Rings. Yes, when juxtaposed to the Lord of the Rings, yes. Yeah. So to be very clear, I also haven't done anything. I've never seen a movie or read a book about the Lord of the Rings. So most of Joe, what you said earlier, Rob, was gibberish. Joe, you're going to hate. And I mean hate the Lord of the Rings. I'm calling it now it is a prediction. <laughs> Because you know, there's not a lot of character growth in that either, honestly. There is, there there are stable, the, old, the characters that grow are Boromir, Bro, 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 please say it, Rob. Boromir. Boromir, who has something horrible happen to him. Um, the non-main character hobbits. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> it's true, it is true. Um, the one of the female characters in the book who is actually my oh favorite. hey we get female characters in this book yeah because we didn't have any uh, in the hobbit there there are female character characters sorry character okay thank character. you for setting my expectations very clearly oh yes no i 
I will give Tolkien this much, though. I think he knew he could not write female characters, and therefore he said, we're just not going to touch it. We're just... We're just not... Oh, yeah. Because the female character that is in the book is a warrior. Like, a legit warrior. She lives like a... She lives like this servant's life where Mm -hmm. she has to bring the king his cups and Mm -hmm. let me go with you. No, Lady Eowyn. You must stay and obey your father's law. It's just like, man. Yeah, (laughs) I actually hated Eowyn's depiction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then she goes and she fights. Like, she shows some backbone. But, uh, yeah, you're not going to like it. But you know who does have really good character growth? Matilda. Yes. Yeah, let's get back talk about middle grade. (laughs) So, I think a really good, kind of going back to middle grade and, like, when I think of really good character development, I like to think of Roald Dahl because he still has, like, there's an adventurous undertone, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, mm-hmm. but the characters grow as people. Willy Wonka grows as a person. Um, Matilda <laughs> is able to, like, grow, like, as, like, she she's able to be her truest self. I think you know, Willy something... Wonka grew as a person in the like the last two chapters. I mean, he had regret. By the end, he had regret. Like, remorse. which is yeah. better than Bilbo? But well, <laughs> well, okay. so yeah, I we're think... staying off of the Hobbit. Yeah. But Roald Dahl is a great author. <laughs> but I think so. So to those listeners, we have a list, a few lists of um, middle grade books that various folks have read. And actually, when you say that of growth, every other book on this list has a lot of character growth. Quite a bit. Except maybe the Littles. You know, I'll give the Littles. The Littles go with The Hobbit in that they're they're little fun little stories. Like, there's lessons are learned, but now growth occurs, if that makes sense. Such as stealing is bad. Not listening to your parents is bad. Going on an adventure and telling no one you're leaving is bad. <laughs> there isn't much. That's another. Those, but. That's another kind of highlight of mid grade is everybody typically just has like one problem. It's like if you have more than one thing wrong with you, you're probably the villain. But as long as the only thing that's bad with you is that, yeah, you lie occasionally or uh, you. I want an adventure without telling your parents. Then, by the end of the book, you'll learn that you shouldn't have did that, and everything will be great. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, so. Have you guys read either "Where the Red Fern Grows" or "My Friend Flicka"? I read, read "Where, Where the Red, Red Fern Grows." Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because if I remember correctly, and I will admit it's been a few years since I read that one. That main character has, like, a couple different, not things, not, like, character traits that are bad, but just he deals with quite a few different things. Um, Because I think it's set kind of during the Depression, and if not during the Depression, then, you know, with a poor family, and he's, if I remember, please correct me if I'm wrong, but, I mean, he's trying to just survive, 
And then he's also dealing with kind of, I think he's ostracized. I don't think he has any friends and they have no money and food's tight. And, um, so I think, you know, I really don't remember. I just remember the ending, the, ending, the sad, sad the, ending. The ending's sad. The ending's really sad. We don't talk about the ending. <laughs> but, and then like, um, my friend Flicka, which is the movie is so wrong. Don't, the book is not like the movie. Um, in the book, he never rides the horse, you guys. The horse never is ridden. But in My Friend Flicka, it's about a, um, I think he might be a preteen, like a, a 11, 12 year old boy. And he kind of almost is struggling with a little bit of depression. He has a paper he has to finish in order to be able to go on to the next grade. He's really kind of like, he has no interest in anything. Is just kind of exists. And then his family gives him, not gives him, but has a half-wild mare that is untamable, and it finally gives him a little bit of motivation to do something and go be around this creature and see if he can be the one to tame it. Um, which, like, I, middle grade has character growth, and it also can deal with some bigger issues that um, maybe not all parents would agree a 10-year-old is ready for, but they can handle quite a bit. And middle grade really is a good spot where they... You can grow and learn in a very safe environment between the covers of a book. And kind of... Great. Yeah. Yep. And really be exposed to different things. I think about Wonder, which came out a few years ago, and then that movie came out as well. But talking about, like, people have potentially physical abnormalities and how do you love others well and not be a bully. And it's told entirely from the perspective of the boy who has these physical abnormalities. But then there's a sequel that's like the entire book of wonder from three of the other minor characters perspectives, like some of the bullies and like his family members and things like that. That's really interesting. And being able to see the same story from multiple perspectives is super key at that age. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh-uh. uh, do you want to give us some examples, Sam? Of you are gonna bring up some examples of books that we've read. Oh, okay. So some other books. Uh Joe, I think you've read this as well, The Hatchet by I think that was on our fifth grade reading list. Yes. So the hatchet. Um by Every boy has read that book. I think every girl has read that book, too. I think every child has read it. Now, hold on. I'm claiming this as a boy's book. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm claiming this is a sequels to this book? There are. Yeah. yeah. I didn't read them, but I know they are. They're not as good. Are, yeah. they're, they're not as good. <laughs> they're like, they, I well, take backsies on the last 30 pages. Yep. Let's rewrite this bad boy in an entirely second book. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know any other author who has been that much of a power move. Like, yeah, yeah, I know the other one ends this way, but what if it didn't? That wasn't like a time traveling, mm-hmm. like, ooh, alternate ending. 
choose your own adventure multiple book edition mm-hmm. like, but, what if and that was knows? why i didn't read the other ones because i kind of figured like the one that i read was good it ended well and everything i didn't need to see like him end up I didn't know on like another island, like another plane went down or whatever yeah. had happened. But the hatchet and actually most pretty much anything I think Gary Paulson wrote really it falls into that realm. Mm-hmm. And, and they all have that same theme of being somewhat wilderness oriented. And um, I think generally the main character's a guy. But again, I mean, he's writing from, you know, maybe from his childhood or, or whatever. Um, but he has a lot of things. The I did a rod race books that he did are very good. Um, another one, Bridge to Terabithia. I'm like, my heart's crying whenever you say the words, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. there's a very, I was talking with a friend of mine about Bridge to Terabithia and her family was listening to the audiobook in the car when she was, I don't know, eight or nine. And at the end, her mom just had to like pull over because everyone in the car was just bawling. Yeah. Um, and so please don't listen to sad middle grade books and drive. Yeah. That is a safety hazard to all. That includes where the red fern grows. Don't listen. That includes, I think, most of these, right? Like these are kind of Holes is happy. Holes is super happy. The ending is. The middle bits. Holes has not. some dark middle bits. The middle bits. Holes also, I think, too, when you're talking about, um, you know, people with different experiences than you, every single boy that is at that camp has, you know, something different about him. Uh, In the book, it is not a Shia LaBeouf character who is the main character, Lewis. It is a tall, very large preteen or teenage boy. Robust. Robust. Robust preteen. Yeah. But that we're not talking about like uh mu- like muscular. Like I mean he had some muscles, but like yeah. Um and then you had just all sorts of different characters and holes. Um like the movie, aside from his weight, mm-hmm. did a fairly good job yes. of still hitting the diversity of the characters oh, yeah. and sort of the dark past and didn't oh. Cut corners. And who they had play Lewis, um, Shia LaBeouf, was perfect for that role. Like, that was a great actor to pick. Um, And same with like. And I'm glad they didn't put him in a fat suit. Yes, that that would have been awesome. Shia LaBeouf in a fat suit would haunt my nightmares. uh, Hoot and Flush too are very happy endings. I think too. Like a series of unfortunate events, which there have been a movie, a whole TV series, and the books. Um, I mean, they're not happy books, but also they're not make you cry books. Um, and I think a series of unfortunate events, as it unfolds as you go through, it's they always give you the bright look of, hey, there are people who care about these kids. It's just that bad things happen to them. But they they do care. Like, you know, it always keeps giving children the, there are people who care about you. It's just that these children have... (laughs) I don't think most... uh, Yeah, but... So those, um, The Giver, which to me is weird to think about as being a middle grade. But it is. Um, 
And when you look at from you know what Joe talks about about it having, um, or what you talked about, Rob, sorry, about it having one conflict, it does have one conflict, which is that there's only one person in their society that remembers the past. And I think they all can't even see colors and other stuff, right? Yeah, it's like they associated have more about with, them. That's yeah, it's associated with like losing your memory and losing. Basically, losing that knowledge into adulthood, um, and they associate it with color, but it's that comes from not having those memories, not having that experience, that type I of gotcha. life. Um, okay. Yeah. What? A, <laughs> yeah. As far as dystopias go, that one was probably just the most like wholeheartedly. Oh, There's no like redeeming qualities I, about this world. I vividly remember sucks. not being allowed to read The Giver until I reached some age. Like, I don't remember why. Because it was depressing? I'm guessing <laughs> so. Yeah, probably. Um, At least with like 1984, you can think like, oh, you know, we could always just rebel or Animal Farm. You know, mm-hmm. they actually did rise up. <laughs> The giver was just like, yeah, the only way out is just to get out of here. Yep. (laughs) Well, and then the other one that is considered middle grade um, is The Outsiders, which is a fantastic book. Um, And Joe, I think if I remember right, isn't it that like your mom's favorite book? Like, How do you remember my mom's favorite book? Because I remember. But you're correct. I so as similar to like your rules with the giver, my mom would hype up. She hyped up the outsiders all of fifth and sixth grade, and then I was allowed to read it in seventh grade. The same year I was allowed to get context, so like I could see all things <laughs> with my knowledge of the outsiders. Um, we read it in seventh grade English, mm-hmm. and then we had to watch the movie, mm-hmm. and it was just like. Very heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have mixed feelings about it being called middle grade because if I were to give this to an eight-year-old, they would cry mm-hmm. for the next three years. Mm-hmm. But I think it is a good book for 12-year-olds. Like, I think it's what you could almost call a middle grade, tra- like, um... Transitionary book, right? Like, yes. it's not truly YA yep. because it still has these like concepts that are like not overly graphic or overly sexual or a bunch of profanity mm-hmm. but it's not a dog book or raw yeah. doll or something yeah so oh. Oh. sorry it was just funny the way you said a dog book <laughs> okay sorry a dead dog book oh accurate though is there a middle grade book with dogs where the dogs don't talk and the dog lives all the dogs live um all dogs go to heaven 12 (laughs) do they yeah good question what was because of when dixie oh that that is middle grade Mm -hmm. yeah i thought it was middle grade Mm -hmm. does when dixie live i'm pretty sure i think so I honestly have never read Because of Winn-Dixie. By the time I realized like that was a book, I was past the point of 
reading middle grade. I will admit, Joe, you enjoy reading middle grade. I There's some that I do, like Ella Enchanted and Anything by Gail Carson, Carson Levine and Cornelia Funk. But there's also like the more realistic middle grade. The chances of me picking that up without someone like recommending it to me directly as an adult, not super high. What would you call realistic middle grade? I would say because of Win Dixie, um, I should I sh- I think I should qualify that. The middle grade aims more towards the eight and nine year old, towards that lower end, because I think middle mm. grade really does kind of have it. It's kind of sections that are easier for the new middle grade, and you know are more pertinent and preparing you for the more advanced reading. And I think those, um, when I think like because of Winn Dixie, the the really short chapter books are kind of the ones that I think of. Ah, I I probably wouldn't read it unless someone was like, "This is really really good." Like Wonder, I would not have read that if it wasn't for the fact that I knew twenty people who, you have to read Wonder. Okay, but if you're listening to this, you have to read Wonder. <laughs> it's really good. It's worth the read. Um, Your heart will be so full. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And I think that's the other kind of weird thing with middle grade is that you do have some that, you know, where the red friend grows, my friend Flicka, the hatchet, the giver, um, the city of embers, the outsiders, Ella enchanted holes are like, you know, anyone can read that. And then you get to um, other ones, like a series of unfortunate events, which is a good book series, but as an adult, I think it's harder to get into that kind of book because it is written like um, almost for vocabulary and points, right? And it it's an interesting story, but the writing style may not suit an adult reader anymore. Um, like the littles, I get, I recommend it to everyone I know who has kids, but I tried to read The Littles as an adult. You guys, I think I like more complicated (laughs) storylines. That's surprising. That that's good. Yeah. It's a very it's a very good problem to have that you can no longer enjoy simplicity. I mean Whereas like I mean like with a lot of these other ones, you know, Matilda, Anne of Green Gables, they um the premise might be kind of straightforward, but um how they get there and how they learn is more organic than just ta-da they now understand things like i mean matilda (laughs) suffered through a lot before she finally was like it's so dark Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and of green gable i mean she went on like a whole journey like that book spans i think from 11 to 17 she wasn't as old as she seems by the end of the book yeah because it's like the middle ages and people go to college at like 14 but it's not the middle ages but you know but yeah there was there's a lot of growth in there no no it was uh yeah now i think about it It had to be something like that 
late 1800s. Uh, yeah. But yeah. And it was in Nova Scotia. You know what? I had to look up where that was. It's in <laughs> Canada. Yep. I had no idea where Nova Scotia was. It kind of sounds like a fantasy. It's <laughs> like a fantasy name. <laughs> Nova Scotia's fake. It's made up. Yeah. New conspiracy. I, well, and I think Joe's definition of these are books that you can very comfortably give to, to children is one of the the other big things with it being middle grade. I mean, we as adults, any adult can go pick up where the red fern grows and, you know, not think that this is for a 10-year-old. But you also have no worries about giving that to a 10-year-old. You aren't worried yeah. about the language. You're not worried about, you know, yeah. The death and despair. Like, the human death and despair. despair. Yeah. And even and even with these books, when they have death, they approach it so well. And again, it's an opportunity to learn how to deal with those emotions. Mm-hmm. You know? um, whereas, you know, there's adult books that do similar things, but I would never want to give uh, it to a ten-year-old. I'm trying to think of Joe. You got any books that? Do similar things, but are for adults. <laughs> when we say similar things, like have just like a straightforward plot line. No, I'm talking more about um, you know dealing, discussing, discussing, and talking about an emotion, and having you have an emotional reaction and kind of like learn how to deal with that. Um, I think we call that nonfiction as adults, and that's a personal development book, right? Like, true. If I'm looking for, yeah, when we're, we're talking about like children's, like, there's a small, I think, subsection of nonfiction middle grade. Raul Dahl has a great book about his time in the World War II Air Force called Solo. You guys might like it, but the nonfiction genre is much smaller because mm-hmm. there aren't eight-year-olds writing memoirs. To my knowledge, not a lot of them. And I think most of the nonfiction at that point is called a history book. Right. (laughs) Or it's an adult book that they now have like a young reader's edition. Mm -hmm. I've seen more of those like stamped from the beginning has the adult version, the YA version and the young reader's Mm -hmm. version, which is usually middle grade. Mm So, um, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, you've got. Sorry. Go. I was going to say you've got things in adult fiction that sort of like hit the same beats as are in middle grade. I think in middle grade, they're usually like not necessarily the point of the book, but it, it kind of like happens at the climax. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, either this is what the whole book was about. There's one book that's like a relative is sick, I think like a grandfather. And the whole thing is about like spending more time with them before they pass away. Or, uh, you know, something like Bridge to Terabithia, where the book isn't about the girl's death, but at the end of it, it's kind of like, this is what all of your growth was like, culminating towards you being able to handle, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of idea, which I I wouldn't be able to handle it, like all my growth out the window. I'd be so sad. But when you go to adult works it's kind of just expected like that those things will happen 
And a lot of times you'll see them being more the premise of a book, the start of a book, rather than, you know, what happens at the end of a book, unless it's supposed to be like some big drama. But, oh, Bridge to Terabithia. You know, my friend died when I was little. Uh, now, here's my story as an adult, mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, oh, I learned how to, <laughs> I don't know, just have fun and be imaginative in the woods. <laughs> and my, my grown-up adult friend, you know, oh, man, her death was so bad. Jesus Christ. Let's not talk about that sad story anymore. But it's yeah, you so see, tragic. <laughs> you see the the kind of points of those story beats are like framed totally differently, you know, than versus uh, in mid grade versus adult fiction, to the point where it's it's kind of just like I don't know, you're not a kid anymore, so deal with it, which sucks mm -hmm. because death is impactful no matter what age you are, especially. Oh, drowning. Oh, my God. Playing he was like just trying to play. Middle grade and YA a lot is it takes a lot of those really heavy emotions that might be hidden under like more in-depth plot points or I don't know, even as adults, like it's sometimes hard to show emotions if that's not something that you're used to or a certain set of emotions. And middle grade is a really nice way to reset yourself and say like okay one i'm understanding more of like the mindset of this group of kids especially if you work in any setting that interacts with children it's really nice to be like oh what is an eight-year-old like it's something in between like diapers and driving that doesn't give me much information and so being able to connect and understand what the mindset is but also being able to process emotions and understand kind of like the one character one like difficulty okay this character has this problem and they're going to resolve it so they're nice like sunday afternoon reads mm -hmm. yeah so what do you guys think about when you you, you kind of touched on this just a little bit but to expand on it a little bit more joe when you go back to that mid-grade do you find that like you can still bring yourself to when you were a kid and look at this with like fresh eyes. Like has reading mid grade ever made you guys feel like younger, you know, just more innocent, more pure, or have you, have you been tainted by the world of bad YA? <laughs> <laughs> I like that way of putting it. The world of bad YA. Uh... I'll, I'll say personally, I think it, brings me back to like a nice like again resetting of the mind wonder is the most recent middle grade book that i've read that wasn't a reread of something i'd already read before and so when you're rereading a middle grade book i raw doll is i think it's come out here like my favorite author for middle grade and i have all of his books and that those are books that i go back to again and again and again while when i'm picking up a net new book wonder is something that was like oh, I'm a little bit out of my head and almost feel like the, he's in a fifth grade classroom. I remember what it was like to be in a fifth grade classroom. I remember what it was like to be bullied in fifth grade. And almost you like have that box of memories that you've shoved in the back of your brain that it brings out. And you're like, I remember what it was like to be 
10 or 11 and have kids laugh at me. And that's a really weird thing if you're not prepared for it. At least that's what happens to me. I don't know about you, Sam. I, I'm weird and I know I'm weird. Um, when I read middle grade, I think I look at it more from, it doesn't take me back to being a child, which I think is, I don't think is the norm. Um, I read it and think more of, did I maybe, have I lost some, some, uh, not skill, but some, uh, emotional, have I, have I lost something as an adult that I had as a child, whether that's, you know, the willingness to trust or the ability to connect with someone over something as simple as doing an activity together or lost that sense of, you know, kind of wonder that in some middle grade you get from interacting not only with, you know, other people, but your family and how a lot of these will end up putting a lot of emphasis on family or on, you know, learning how to be your own unique person. But yeah, it doesn't it doesn't usually take me back to to that stage in my life. But I also was the weird child who read The Count of Monte Cristo in fourth grade, so I'm Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh in the original French too, I'm sure. No. No. <laughs> no. But I don't know. I've, I I'm I'm that weird person that as an adult I read books for entertainment. Um, as a child, I read them to learn something, and I think maybe that's what I still have. If I do read when I do read books like this, is what can I learn from this, or maybe what do I want to make a point of not learning? <laughs> um, but that's a good way to phrase it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me, when I go back to some YA, or not, excuse, <laughs> excuse me, not YA, <laughs> when I go back to some uh, middle grade, I kind of just feel happy. I don't know if I necessarily feel like a kid again or anything like that. I kind of just more believe like happy stories can exist. You know, they don't. And not every tale out there has to have, you know, this multiple book plot line or the world's ending or, you know, who am I going to choose between, you know, hot guy A or hot guy B. Don't forget hot guy C. You know, it's like (laughs) hot guy C will sneak up on you. Watch out for him. That's in the third book. (laughs) You know, like stories can just be fun. When I read... uh, uh, Anne of Green Gables. That was what I felt. And even throughout all of the, you know, wacky situations that she gets in or the adventures of Tom Sawyer, you know, those books. I didn't I didn't ever like think like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, tricking a kid in a painting a fence, too. Like <laughs> it, it wasn't <laughs> like I could necessarily. <laughs> it wasn't like I could necessarily relate. It was just like. This is just fun, and it's good. It's well-written. It wasn't fun, like, in spite of being a kid's book. 
it was fun because it was a kid's book. It wasn't trying to be anything other than fun. That was what I really liked about, you know, at least as an adult reading, reading middle grade. Mm -hmm. I think the important thing to get out of today's conversation is if you haven't read middle grade since you were that age, that middle grade isn't just like dumped down adult books. Like it is written intentionally with love and care, just as adult books are. And has a separate purpose that's almost like a palate cleanser, especially if you're reading a lot of either dense fiction, dense nonfiction, these series that just go on forever. Being able to like intersparse it with middle grade is a nice way to just be like a breath of fresh air. Like everything's going to be okay, even if the dog's dead. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Everything's going to be okay. Even if the dog's dead. (laughs) <laughs> well now there are some books that leave off on some kind of sour notes such as like the giver <laughs> i don't know if everything was going to be okay in that world <laughs> or ender's okay. game was ender's game uh no ender's is game that had a had a positive outlook very ending of they had stopped the machine like they were changing things and they were going to try and make it better. I think that sometimes it's also just the promise of trying, you know. Yeah. There's more books to the Ender's Game series if yes. you if you don't know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I didn't read them, but from the summaries, it didn't sound like they had good outlooks. But yeah, <laughs> that that's another important thing too, I think. It's just, like you said, as long as there's a way forward now where people are going to be moving in a better or a happier direction. That doesn't always happen as you get older and you, you start reading these older people's stories, you know, twilight, there's no happy endings in twilight. (laughs) And on that note, that is a good book. That is not for middle grade. Nope. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Please give this to your eight year old. No. Or anyone. No. No, just no. Um, Any other final... Oh, go ahead, Sam. I think my final thing is YA is learning and kind of joy and really expressing and very intentional. Um, YA, on the other hand... Uh, also, so that first description was for children. Sorry, not yeah, children for middle grade. Middle grade. I said why didn't I yeah. middle grade? I'm sorry. I misspoke. <laughs> you said Twilight, and it just came out <laughs> middle grade. <laughs> You're Annabella. We all know it. It uh, is very intentional and very thoughtful. Uh, whereas I th- and you know can be for uh, some just sheer joy. Whereas I think why a in some ways can like prepares a rear for the fact that some things are just written for entertainment. It's not a happy entertainment necessarily, but it's entertainment is the goal. Whereas middle grade is, it can be entertainment, but if it's entertainment, it's a happy entertainment of going on an adventure or rescuing kittens or <laughs> something like just that. going through the wilderness. 
no matter what the ending yeah. is, there, even if we rewrite I said, it. I, I don't remember what the book's called, but I have I used to have the whole set where every book was rescuing kittens or puppies or horses or there's yeah. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the big difference between the two of them. Yeah, in addition to everything that you've said, and of course, people smarter than me have said, is with middle grade, it's all about just being a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's rare is the middle grade book that's like, oh, you got to grow up, you got to do this, you got to do that, and you know the people who are saying that are actually right. You know, well, why? Whether it's about just being a teenager or about learning to become an adult. Usually it's going to be like a mix of the two. You're moving into the adult world and you're bringing all your teenage energy into it. You know, that's that has its own purpose. But with mid-grade, you know, it's just about being a kid, doing cool stuff. Sometimes stuff that sucks, like having to learn about the or deal with, you know, the death of a loved one. Sometimes cool things like. Turning a pen into a sword and going off to fight Greek gods, you know, whatever happens. It's all just part of the journey. You're just living your best life. That's kind of the the lost treasure of youth is when everything is just cool and fresh and you feel invincible. The last thing that I'll add on middle grade is we're talking about our experience with middle grade, which was more years than I'd like to admit ago, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about what was really popular in probably the Mm mid-2000s. There's a lot more middle grade that's come out since then. And middle grade can kind of have this almost like snapshot in time of what's really popular with text lingo and emojis and just verbiage that are words that I'm going to sound really old if I say right now. And, And so it's this nice little, like again, snapshot of, what's really popular with this age group because they live in a world that they have cell phones where we didn't have cell phones at that age and and the communication style and the way that you connect and graphic novels are becoming really popular with this age group when that wasn't really something that I grew up with. And it's really interesting to see where middle grade's going. And when we have kids or interact with kids today, like what are those kids going to be reading? And how is that going to be different if I keep telling them that they should be reading The Outsiders, but not until the seventh grade like my mom did? Is that still going to resonate? Yeah. Thanks so much for listening about middle grade. We (laughs) hope you joining us again in two weeks when we discuss um, season two of Love, Death and Robots. Uh, so until then, subscribe, drop a like, send us any comments on Instagram at Athenium Podcast or Athenium Podcast Lit at gmail.com. We have never gotten an email from anyone. So if you want to be the first, I will send you a lot of emojis and tell you all of the words that are in middle grade books that I don't feel comfortable saying on this podcast. because I'm going <laughs> to sound like an old. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all. Bye, everyone. <laughs>